Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Proclaim his truth. Yes, Lord. Well, it's good to be here surrounded around the church, the pillar ground in truth. David says, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continuously be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That is why we're here. That is why we've gathered together to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. First time visitors, we are grateful that you are here. You could be anywhere. And if, and if you're looking around going, man, these, 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 these some crazy folk in this room. You're absolutely right. We're crazy because we serve a, a Jesus that redeemed and ransomed us. And only people that know that you have really been forgiven for much should rejoice much. And so we come into this room and, and we want to see the Lord build his church. And he does so in many ways. Thank you to the first time visitors. Listen, seriously, if you don't have to rush out, do me a favor and, and hang out at the bar for a second. We'd love to meet you and hear your story a little bit. The stuff that you think people don't care about, we actually care about. And so if you can hang out at the bar, hospitality will be there and um, give you a little, a little gift to, to remember us, but also to hear your story. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor, I just want to see you. Just wave your hand for me. I see you. Oh, man. Come on. Let's thank God once again. Don't take, don't take it for granted, y'all. Well, look, it is my responsibility to preach the word of God. Um, last week I did an entire chapter. This week I'm going to do two verses Try to get us out here a little bit earlier. Do me a favor. Go to the Old Testament to um, Solomon's writings. First, go to Ecclesiastes 10.10. We're going to start there. And then if you could just make a left turn back in the book of Proverbs and go to Proverbs 27, verse 17. Uh, we'll be kind of toggling between those two, between those two verses. Um, hey, listen, Gabe said it, but I just want to double down on it. We are really, really moving quickly with our building project downstairs. The, the demolition has started. It's dusty. It's a mess downstairs, but they've already started knocking down walls and stages. And uh, man, I'm, I'm grateful to be at the point where we are. Those of you who have been following the journey, it's been a long time and we have uh, certainly been praying that God would open the door with the DOB and permits. This stuff is crazy here in New York um, and resources and every step of the way, God has continued to open doors, show favor and provide. And, and man, we should be grateful for that. And so downstairs, they've already started the work. Uh, I told you last week um, that I'm excited about December 9th. Somebody just say December 9th. December 9th. Come on. Somebody didn't say it. Somebody just say December 9th. December 9th is going to be the day that we uh, will reveal the sanctuary to you. We're going to do so in the form of a building dedication. So we'll do a ribbon and everything and cut the ribbon downstairs. And um, man, in my best Diddy voice, the vibration is going to be crazy. It, it's going to be, I mean, the, the feng shui in the building is going to be crazy. We, we, set, we set it up in a way that's just going to be, I made that up. That's just going to be, it's, it's just going to be rich and conducive for worship. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, I can tell you this. We will get double the seating than what we have in here currently right now. We thank God for that. We will still have two services, 930 and 1130, because we are expecting that the Lord is going to do exactly what the song says. He's going to build his church. And as he saves people from around Brooklyn and around the Bronx and New York and Queens and Staten Island and Jersey and Connecticut, as he begins to save people, my, my hope and prayer 
uh, if they're looking for a church, is that we would be um, we would be a candidate for people to feel welcome and loved and cared for. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, but December 9th is going to be the first day we're in there. I have a I can't really say it because it's not fully, fully locked in. But I got a dope surprise uh, for us on December 9th. It's going to be a great, great day. There's a lot of things you might miss. That day ain't one. So bring five or ten people with you because we're going to have space. So you can bring some people with you uh, as we move downstairs. That's December 9th. That's a Friday. We'll do it in the evening. Um, and then December 11th, which is that Sunday, we will move toward uh, our first worship service downstairs. And we'll be downstairs from that point on and begin to pray about uh, timing for doing the kids ministry up here. But let me say construction up here. Kids will immediately move up here. We'll just make it a little bit safer, um, more kid friendly. Is that all right? I hope y'all are excited, man. There's a lot going on and I'm just really excited about it. Um, let's get into the word. Ecclesiastes 10, 10. By way of confession, I have been eagerly anticipating our time in this, these two verses. Um, if you write in your Bibles, if you have a physical copy next to Ecclesiastes 10, 10, you really should write Proverbs 27, 17. And then when you get to Proverbs 27, 17, you really should write Ecclesiastes 10, 10 because the thoughts are woven together. Um, Solomon is the writer of these passages, these books, I should say. Um, today, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, sharpened by one another. Last week, we looked at what it meant to agree on the essentials. What makes us family? What makes us family is that we hold to the the, the nutrients of the faith, the core of the faith, the essentials of the faith. What is that? That we are saved by grace alone. Somebody say grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Listen, I don't say say that stuff just because. I really want that to get in your spirit because then when someone comes up and says you have to work for your salvation, you can say, nah, nah, that, that ain't, that's another gospel. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And the scriptures are replete showing us that. Uh, and so this week, we're not going to be talking about agreeing on the essentials. My assumption is that if you've trusted in Jesus, we agree on that. And because of that, now we're going to talk about what is the benefit of being family. So today we're going to be talking about sharpened by one another. Pick me up. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10, one verse. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use somebody say more strength. But wisdom helps one succeed. Jump back to Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Let's look to the Lord before we uh, dig in. Uh, Father, we come in this room because we want to hear from you, and we don't, we don't want to take this moment and presume that we can just understand your word. The last thing we need, oh God, is just an information dump. We don't we don't need to just transfer information to each other. But, Father, what we need is your spirit to use us. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that as I begin to proclaim your word, that you would use an undone vessel. A vessel unworthy to even open up your scriptures, let alone preach from them. Unworthy. But, Father, that's, that's what you do. You use undone, unworthy people to accomplish some amazing things. And so, Father, I pray that you would use me today as a mouthpiece as we proclaim your word. Show us Jesus today. We would be remiss if we sat in here and didn't talk about him. Show us Jesus in this passage. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, sharpened by one another. So check it out. We're about a month, a little bit over a month, about a month and a week away from what I would argue is one of my 
one of my favorite holidays. I love all the winter holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, but there is something special for me about Thanksgiving more than Christmas. And honestly, I think it's, it's three things that, you know, really warm my heart about Thanksgiving. Number one is family, you know, getting to spend time with family that you typically don't spend time with, whether they're out of state or whatever the case may be. Many of you will be traveling to go see mom and, and dad and uh, the older generation to see kids, or maybe you'll have kids over, your siblings, your cousins, you know, our, our aunts and our uncles. We get to spend time with family. And not just spend time with them, but we get to break bread with them, which leads me to the second reason I love Thanksgiving. It's for the food, and that's probably equal to the family. Just, just being, being clear, it's, it's something about the candied yams and the mac and cheese and the collard greens, somebody's hungry right now, and the stuffing. We don't do one turkey, we do two turkeys. We brine both of them. One of them goes in the oven for bacon. The other one, y'all know, we drop it in the oil and a little deep fried in your spirit. You know, that, that deep fried hits different. It, it, it makes the white meat taste like dark meat. It just, it gets juicy all the way through down to the bone. Um, but the third reason, the third reason that I really like Thanksgiving, and this one probably is just more personal for me, is honestly because I get to burn a fire in the fireplace all week long. Now, I don't have a fireplace. Those of you who are in New York and you got a fireplace, you bougie or whatever. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a fireplace in our house. And so we go to my in-law's house and my parents and family comes over to my in-law's house and we all do Thanksgiving together. My in-laws have a, have a fireplace and I, I literally burn not just all day Thanksgiving, but all day until I get there, until I leave. We save on the heat by just turning off the heat and just burning, burning up the wood. And I don't know what it is. There's something therapeutic about, about it. My family has placed me over it. And I, I, because I burn so much wood, in fact, no lie, this is not hyperbole. I'm telling you the truth on this one. I burn so much wood during Thanksgiving that I literally set my in-laws carpet on fire one year. I'm not kidding when I say that. I forgot to close the little, you know, the grate. And I, you know, one of the pieces of wood just popped and it popped all over the place. You know, it was like that show, it was little fires everywhere. And I'm looking around, we like, we stomping stuff out and their carpet was absolutely destroyed. And it's because I burned, they trusted me the next year to do it again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, weather provided, prayerfully it's cold enough. I like it when it's cold. Now, now here's the thing about burning the, the wood. What I'm grateful for is that when I go to the back, my, my in-laws have, have a, a, a wood rack and it's, it's always stacked up. My father-in-law makes sure Thanksgiving time, I, I make sure it's full. It's stacked to the top. And what I'm grateful for is when I get back there, your boy ain't got to chop the wood. It's pre-chopped already. Now, I don't know if you've ever chopped wood before. I don't do it on a consistent basis, but I have chopped wood before. And it is an extremely exhaustive task. And anybody that knows, I don't know if they're professional wood choppers, but if you've chopped and you've been consistent in chopping wood, one of the things that I think we can all agree on is that the most important part of chopping wood is not the angle in which you hit the wood at. It's not even how you hold the ax. The most important part of chopping the wood, don't miss this, is not even the force that you decide to use when you hit the wood. The most important part about chopping wood is making sure that the ax is sharp. In fact, it's Abraham Lincoln that said, if you give me six hours to sharpen, to, to, to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four sharpening the axe. Because it, the importance of making sure that you have a sharpened tool 
because a dull tool is not helpful. And, and I think that's what, in, in a crazy greater way, I think that's what Solomon is getting at in our two verses today. As we're toggling between these two, I think one of the things Solomon is trying to warn us against is going through life and being a dull axe. He's trying to warn us. He's trying to say the dull axe isn't useful. But what I need, what God needs is a bunch of sharp Christians in the room. So the question then becomes, well, how do you sharpen the axe? You should look around the room for a second because the sharpening process is sitting in the room today. The, the way in which God sharpens us is through your brothers and sisters in Christ if you've professed faith in Jesus. Now, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He also you know, wrote a few other books, but these two books specifically are, are what you call wisdom literatures. All of his writings are wisdom literatures. I would argue that Solomon is... Um, I, would, I was going to say the wisest man that's ever walked the earth, but Jesus gets that. He's the golden that. So Jesus is the wisest, but Solomon is the second wisest man that has ever walked the earth because he didn't just have regular wisdom. He didn't have book knowledge. What he had was a supernatural wisdom. First Kings, I think it's four, where he asked God to give him wisdom. When God said, man, you got a blank, you got a blank check, whatever you want. He doesn't pray for anything but wisdom, and God gives it to him in a great way. And so through these two books, he's, he's hitting on many different topics. It's kind of hard to get strong context. You know, I usually I'm like, Yo, let me give you all context of where we at. It's a little bit hard to get context, particularly in these two verses, especially in the Proverbs verse. However, notice that Solomon kind of bounces around with his thoughts. In these two books, he's talking about being aware of sin, being beware of sin. He's talking about pursuing wisdom at all costs. In these two books, he's talking about the meaningless pursuit of stuff. I, I would argue that that's still as true today as it was when he first wrote it, that we have a meaningless pursuit of materialistic stuff. And Solomon is like, man, it's vanity. So it's all of it is vanity. It's chasing the wind. He talks in these two books about being prudent in your character. Husbands, do you know that there's a verse in, in, in Proverbs 21, verse 9, where Solomon says it's better for a husband to live. And he had 300 wives. So I think he knows something about marriage. He said it's better for a husband to live on the rooftop of a house than in, a, than in the house with a contentious wife. Now, brothers, don't say amen to that one. If you got my number, slick, just hit me a text message. You preach, Pastor B. Slip me that one. But, but in all fairness to, 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 our, to our wives, he also goes on in Proverbs 31 and says, a wife of noble character is worth far more than rubies. I need a wife to just say, hey. Come on now, y'all ain't say that right. Y'all supposed to say, hey, that's it? All right. Maybe I need to go back to the, to the rooftop that he was talking about. <laughs> He's spitting fire through these two books. Now, I would argue that there's a thought that he gives in both books that I think are honest. There's so much continuity between these verses because he's talking about how iron needs to be sharpened in both of them. One of them, he talks about if the iron isn't sharp, it, it, it produces more work on your end. It, it makes more effort on your end. And the other one, he gives us the answer to how to sharpen it. And I think that these two thoughts go unnoticed. But today we're going to spend a little time. Now, today is not my normal exposition uh, where, where it's kind of, you know, working through the text. It's not kind of like that today. If y'all give me a chance to just talk. Can, can y'all just say talk, B? That's all we're going to do today. Probably not preaching, just, just kind of talking and kind of pastoring the room a little bit. Pick me back up in verse 10. We're back in Ecclesiastes. He says this, if, iron is, if the iron is blunt, the NIV says, if the blade of the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, 
he must use more strength. Please pay attention to this word. If the blade of the axe is dull. He is talking about dullness, but I would argue that one of the things that we can extract out of the text, Caleb, is not just regular dullness, but spiritual dullness. And, and I, I think, you know, I think it's important to give a definition on spiritual dullness or else we'll walk out and we'll make up our own definitions of what it is. Spiritual dullness is the state of indifference with regard to one's spiritual growth and vitality. It's A.W. Tozer that says uh, spiritual dullness is having little communion and little joy in the Lord. Anybody ever been there? You just had a little, you ain't have a lot, just a little bit of joy in the Lord. You didn't feel really anchored. You didn't feel on fire. You didn't feel vibrant. You didn't feel like you could thrive in your faith. A.W. Tozer said that's what dull, spiritual dullness is, is when you're kind of going through the rhythms. Now, now I, I would argue that some of y'all in the room today, you came in spiritually dull. Or if you haven't, I don't care how long you walk with the Lord, live long enough and you will hit a season where you will be spiritually dull. And here's the thing. You can preach and be spiritually dull. You could sing and be spiritually dull. You can play an instrument. You could be behind them cameras. You could be on a hospitality team. And I know that for a fact because your boy went through a season where I just was spiritually dull. But nobody in the room knew it. Were you just kind of going through the rhythms? Don't look at me like that. I, I know that's y'all too. Just kind of going through the motions where your spiritual life is on cruise control. Where your spiritual life is on autopilot. We just kind of hit that button and you just kind of, you know, you, you're cruising along. But the spiritual life is never meant to be on autopilot. We are constantly meant to be growing. We are never meant to be the dull acts. And so dullness, spiritual dullness is dangerous, y'all. And I want to help us. I want to normalize it. Yes, all of us in this room will hit the season of spiritual dullness. But don't you dare stay there. Because God did not ransom you and rescue you out for you to be dull. He wants you on fire. Here's the danger in spiritual dullness. In the, it is in the season of spiritual dullness that we are more susceptible to sin. It is. It's in the season of spiritual dullness that we are more likely to miss the very voice and the move of God. It is in the season of spiritual dullness that we are likely to get off track and miss the purpose that God has designed for you. It is in the season of spiritual dullness that we fall back into patterns and old habits. And I know I'm talking to the room because some of you have feel like you've overcome and been delivered from something only to find yourself back in it again. It is probably a spiritual season of dullness. Somebody say dullness. Now, I don't want anybody to feel exempt. And I'm not, you know, this, this, isn't, a, this isn't a beat down to anybody that came in spiritually dull. All of us have been there. And currently we hit seasons like that. I told you that was one of my seasons. You know, I, th I think it was 20... It was the end of the, not the end of the pandemic, but end of 2020 when the pandemic first hit, going into 2021, there were many moments I was confessing it to Pastor Timmy that I just felt spiritually dull, confessing it to my wife. I just, just you didn't, I didn't feel like I was, was, was growing in the Lord, but I fooled you because I was able to come in here and preach. I ain't saying it's healthy, but I'm saying that's how we go under the radar, where we, where we do things for God instead of spending time with God. And at the end of the day, we are nothing more than a dull axe. My prayer life in 2020 and 20, going into 2021 wasn't, wasn't the strongest prayer life. My devotional time in the Word. Can I, can I just be honest and be a little confessional today? My, my, my devotional time in the Word. You know, you preach enough sermons, we can kind of coast. You know, you've done enough counseling, we kind of just know what to say. It's like, God, I want, I want to thrive in you. 
I, I don't want to go through life and be spiritually dull. I want to be sharp. And I think that's God's will for all of us. Can I stay here a little bit longer? Because I sense, I really do sense that some of you in the room are trying to identify that season of spiritual dullness, but you can't, you can't figure out what are the markers. How do I know whether I am spiritually dull or not? Well, I'm glad you asked. I actually sent this to the team earlier today. A couple of reasons, a couple of ways that you can know if you are growing in spiritual dullness. Number one, when you are satisfied, not spiritually growing. Oh, man. You know, year over year, you should be, I would say week over week, you should be growing. There's some things that you should be overcoming. There's some sin that, that should, you know, be a little bit easier. I ain't saying you're going to be sinless. That ain't the case. But there are just some things that you should be growing in. But I, I, I've watched, I've pastored long enough that many people hit a spiritual ceiling and they're okay with it. They're, they're comfortable with it. Now, yeah, we all hit a plateau. We all hit a moment. But that's why discipleship is important. And that's why community life is important. And that's why we ain't just saying come to small groups because we need to fill up a small group. That ain't the reason. We know that it's part of helping you to grow in your faith. You know, that's the one thing that I know that God wants from all of us in this room. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. God desires and expects that you would grow. I mean, who would have a baby? I, I seen some babies when I was coming in first and second service. Who would have a baby? And then 21 years from now, expect the baby to stay the same size. Can you imagine that? First of all, I got teenagers. I got, you know, one teenager is, you know, he halfway out the house. My, my, my youngest, I'm preparing him because he got a few more years and he's out the house. Because my house just ain't conducive for too many men in it. It's just, it's, I don't care. Like, you got to go at some point. And, and, and so there, there is a spiritual maturity that I am expecting naturally. But do you know when God looks down and he saves you, he doesn't expect that you're going to stay the same with God is growth and movement. Which is why in Genesis chapter one, two and three, the Bible says that he creates the world. Do you know when he creates the world, he, it starts in a garden? Y'all, y'all know that, right? Do you know in Revelation 21 and 22, which is the last two chapters of the book of the Bible, of course, Revelation, but the last two chapters of the entire book of the Bible, do you know that it doesn't end in a garden? It ends with a city. Growth. Even when he created man, he looked at Adam and Eve and he didn't just say stay the same. He said, be fruitful. That's growth. He creates seeds. And why does he create seeds? Because he wants them to replicate. He wants them to produce he wants them to grow. Even when he created the universe, man, I was mesmerized yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was doing just a quick uh, devotional, and I was in, uh, I think it was Isaiah 48, verse 13, where it talks about how God created the heavens with his hand. I'm just mad. I'm, I couldn't get past the verse. I'm mesmerized going like, yo, I was going to do an Insta story on it. Act like you only see it if I drop it tomorrow. <laughs> just like created with his hand. With his, with his right hand. I'm, I'm amazed by it because I realize that the galaxy has 400 billion stars and God creates it with his hand. But you know what he does? After he creates the planets and he creates everything, he goes, and they start orbiting. Even right now, we're not sitting still. We're moving because we serve a God of growth and movement. And don't you dare think that God saved you and think and think that he wants you to stay the same. The devil is a liar. He wants you to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And I think that that only happens when we get around each other. Spiritual dullness, the, the, the first way that we see that is when we're satisfied, not growing. Second way, y'all rock with me on this one. This one might be more of an ouch moment. is when we are more comfortable with sin. 
Do you know how many people are really comfortable with sin? And, you know, they justify it. That's when you know you're really spiritually dull. When you begin to justify your sin. Well, it ain't that bad. Well, you know, she doing more than I'm doing. I ain't go all the way. Come on. We, we say stuff like that as though we serve a God that's not holy that accepts little sins. Our God is too holy to accept any sin at all, especially little sins. It's, it's uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon that talks about, he has a sermon called Little Sins. And he talks in the sermon about how a baby could tap, a, if, if a spark lit right here, a baby could tap it out with his foot. But that same spark, if it's not kept and under control, it will burn an entire forest down. And so you might think that sin is little right now, but sin never stays little. It, it always grows and it always sets ablaze. And many people have become so comfortable making excuses for sin. Can I just pass to the room for a second? Spiritual dullness allows you to welcome in sin and not have any conviction about it. Third, third way that you know that you are growing in spiritual dullness is when you don't have the same fire that you used to have for the Lord. Y'all remember when we first met Jesus? Yo, man, I was on fire. I was serious about my faith. I invited people in. I intentionally pursued relationships. I intentionally read my word. I prayed. But now you've done it enough that when we hit that cruise control, you can go through life and just say, you know what? I memorized enough. You know, I, have, I, have, I have enough Bible knowledge at this point. But you don't ever, you know how ex- inexhaustible this word is? You, you, it's, like, it's like trying to scuba dive to the bottom of the ocean with no gear. You can't get to the bottom. It's so much richness in us, but many of us have lost that fire. I'm preaching to somebody in this room. Well, you've lost that fire and, and you, don't, you can't understand it. I'm just going to help you identify it today. It's spiritual dullness. And God does not save you for you to be spiritually dry. You need some cocoa butter and some, some Nivea lotion. What, what y'all use? You're, you need some Eucerin cream. Some Vaseline, you need something because spiritual dullness is not okay. Write this down. Spiritual dullness leads to spiritual fatigue. It makes sense in the text. Watch what he says, Ecclesiastes 10.10. If one does not sharpen the edge, he has to use more strength. How many knows that that's exhausting? Chopping down a tree with a sharp axe can be exhausting. Can you imagine trying to do it with a dull axe? It's exhausting. And so, yes, spiritual dullness over time will lead to spiritual fatigue. And it doesn't matter how hard you strike. It doesn't doesn't matter the force that you use. After a while, you will begin to get tired. Now, I wouldn't even just say tired. Let me also point out that when you use a dull ax, you also open yourself up to injure yourself as well. I, I really do believe that many of us have been spiritually bruised and you've been spiritually hurt and we call it church hurt, but really you're just dull and, you know, you've just been, you know, having a lot of energy. Now, I'm not trying to dismiss your church hurt because maybe you do got some real hurt, but there are some there are some people that have experienced stuff and really your dull season have caused you to be more fatigued and more tired. And after a while, you can injure yourself. Listen, I'm 42. I'm getting older, you know, sometimes sleeping. Makes me feel like I went three rounds with Mike Tyson. You ever just roll over? You're like, man, why? What happened this morning? Oh, I just slept. Like, I just rolled over and something happened. It's the same thing with our spiritual life. The longer you go being spiritually dull, the more easy it is to get your soul injured. So the text says, 
Spiritual dullness is, is, is not okay. He says, look, if, if the axe is dull, you got to sharpen it. And, and what, what do, how do I do that? That's the question. Well, Proverbs 27 helps us. So what, what, what he does in Ecclesiastes, is he basically says, look, it's important for you not to go through life dull. God wants you sharpened. God wants you alert. God wants you, you know, because when you are exerting a lot of energy and not bearing fruit, that's, I mean, that's frustrating. And that's what happens when you got a dull axe. You can just hit the tree, hit the tree, hit the tree, and it's not falling. Listen, I've had seasons of my life where I was busy and produced nothing. Ty pointed one of those seasons out to me. I was offended. She pointed out to me. She was like, okay, you're tired, but what have you done? You know, she got a little attitude even thinking about her saying that. But it's true. I, I come home and like, who have you helped? What, what lives have you impacted? Who have you shared the gospel with? Who have you been on mission with? At the end of the day, we come home, we're tired. And God is like, you tired and you ain't produced no fruit. You hitting, a, you hitting a tree with a dull axe. And God doesn't want us spiritually dull. Proverbs 27 tells us how to get sharp. Y'all rocking with me? Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. I am amazed that that Proverbs would say that the way to be sharpened is through each other. I would think that Solomon would say the iron can get sharpened if you spend time with God. I, I would think that he would say, man, my relationship, and yes, God does sharpen us. Don't hear that. But he uses the body. So if you're going, well, God sharpens me. He does. But you know how he sharpens you? The person you sit next to. The person you're in relationship with. Person you're sitting next to on the couch in, this, in, in, in small group and discipleship, the person you have coffee with, the girl that you met in the hallway, and you're like, man, we got a lot in common. Let's, let's connect. Let's get together. Those are moments where we can be sharpened. And I would argue that this sharpening has to happen more than just once. You cannot just be sharpened on Sunday morning. Can I help with somebody that's just a Sunday saint? Because my generation, I ain't going to pick on nobody else. I ain't going to pick on y'all that's younger than me. My generation is satisfied coming to church once a month. Logging on once a month, not connecting really with the body, you know, at all. It's, it's just, I just got to get in there and do my thing and then I, I, can, I can bail out. But when you do that, you can't be sharp and it's like honing a knife. Y'all ever see that, that little device, that, that utensil where you hone a knife? Or shh, shh, you know what I'm talking about, right? That, that device, can you imagine striking it once thinking the knife is going to be sharp? I went to church. God's like, that's it? No, there's a plethora. There's a, there's a bunch of things that God wants to use to sharpen you. And so, yeah, it's Sunday morning. It's small group. It's connection during the week. It's organic connection. It's that women's thing that's going on on, on Saturday. It's, it's December 9th, December 9th, December 9th. That's what God uses when he begins to sharpen us. But we're satisfied saying, I went to church. I know y'all ain't going to say amen. I'm probably coming a little heavier today. We're satisfied with it. My generation... We're satisfied with it. And you cannot spiritually grow because it is the growth is not an event. It's a process. And that process requires closeness and proximity. And the closeness and proximity isn't just one time. The frequency in which you use the closeness and proximity actually does matter. Now, think, now think about relationships and building relationships. I've learned, Adriana, that it takes intentionality. It, it, takes, it takes serious pursuit because some of us, by nature, we're introverted. Can I get the introverts to just raise your hand? Can I get the extroverts to put your hands up? Extroverts, raise your hand. Can I see somebody that's in the middle? That's me. 
Like, yo, that's me. Like, I love being around the body. When I'm done, I'm done. Like, like go home, walk around the drawers, done. I'm just like tired. I can't take no more. But I get filled up and I need to get back around the body. And no matter what it is, I would say it's a danger to be too much of anything. It's a danger to be too extroverted because then you don't spend time with the Lord alone. It's a danger to, and you always got to be around the body, always got to be around the body, always got to be around the body. But when are you spending time with the Lord alone? And then it's a danger to just say, it's just me, the Lord, in my Bible. No, you actually need your brothers and sisters because he baptized you into a body. Come on, somebody. He baptized you into a community. And yes, he saved you in the global big C church, but he works that out through the local little C church. Come on. Building relationships takes intentionality. Sometimes it takes sacrifice. Can we be honest? We don't always feel like it. I know some of y'all when the pandemic hit, you know, there are some of us that was so ready to get back into the church. And there was a group of us going, man, I actually like being home. <laughs> that was that time. I was like, man, I enjoy this little quarantine, you know, just kind of chilling out. And, and I, I wonder, I wonder, has the pandemic, man, and this is why so many people fell off from church. Because what they wanted was not closeness to the body. They wanted the lights, the camera, our Sunday mornings. That, that's, our, that's our most best presentable moment. Listen, y'all think these lights is on during the week? These lights ain't on during the week. That camera ain't rolling during the week. That worship team, Colin, gonna build your church. That ain't here during the week. That ain't home with you. That the, word, the band isn't here. Ed and the team aren't here. Jasmine and the team aren't here. But those are the, this is why people fell away from church, because we did not want closeness to the body. We wanted performance from the church. And it's dangerous. And I, I, I think God is redeeming that. He's, he's redeeming that. And so now what God is, what God is calling you to, yeah, I'm talking to you to slip in and slip out. What God is calling you to is closeness. You know, Solomon also says in Proverbs 18, verse 1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. Imagine that. When, you, when you're like, man, I can just do me and the Lord by yourself. Honestly, it's unbiblical. Don't let people tell you that. When you know that they, they code for it is, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. What does it even mean? Don't, don't let people be able to throw that one out there as though it actually is a biblical thought. That has no rooting in the scripture. The scripture calls us to bear with one another, bear each other burdens, walk with each other. And sometimes you feel like and sometimes you don't. Let me go a little bit deeper on this family thing. Do you know that closeness to each other oftentimes means tension? Okay. What I think when we when we read Proverbs 27, 17, I think we understand it by cotton, uh, uh, sharpening cotton. I think in our minds we go, oh, it's like a pillow, sharpening a pillow. It's like this little fluffy, you know. But that's not what's in the text. What's in the text is iron sharpens iron. And iron sharpening iron is heat, it's friction, it's tension. You are sometimes, you are welcoming critique. Now I'm not asking you to say nowhere abusive, but there are some moments where you are, you, you are welcoming correction. You, you are welcoming sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but you are welcoming sometimes offense. Do you know this is why, you know, Jesus decided to put structure. He knew he was crazy. He said, this is what we're going to do. Matthew 18, I'm, I'm going to give them some structure to how to deal with each other. So he says, if your brother offends you, go to him. And if he receives you, you've gained a brother. But if he doesn't receive you, what does it say? 
take two or three witnesses so that every, uh, uh, every situation may be established. So, so I got to take two or three with me. Now, if he doesn't receive them, I then tell it to the church. Do you see the progression there? The progression that you see is Jesus setting in place. He knows that we're going to offend each other. He knows we ain't always going to be happy with each other. And this is why I said a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, that, that naturally we're just going to offend each other sometimes. And we're just going to say things that rub each other the wrong way. And this is why cancel culture ain't theological. It's not. It's not. Because you're canceling somebody that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability, according to Galatians 5, to have long suffering. Do you know that God intentionally put some people in your life to annoy you? I'm that God intentionally will put somebody in your life that you will walk out and feel offended by that person. But I wonder how I've been offended by people before. And I look back and I'm like, dad, they was right. You ever had that? You ever had that where you just didn't listen? You thought they was hating when they really wasn't hating. They was trying to give you some spiritual truth. Long suffering is what the Holy Spirit gives us. And that's different than patience because long suffering is patience in the midst of hardship and trial. And so sometimes our relationships will not will always be peachy king. It's healthy conflict. It's not toxic conflict. What we need is healthy conflict. There's books on this stuff. And that's the crazy thing. The world knows how to operate because they write books on healthy conflict. But we get in the church and be like, she offended me. Cancel culture. It's like, how do you cancel your sister? Now, there are moments, the context, there are moments that you do got to walk away. Somebody offends you and they keep offending you and they just ain't getting it. That relationship, you got to walk away from. Anybody had to walk away from anybody before and you're healthier because of it? It's okay. But I'm talking about those initial moments where you ain't worked through Matthew 18. You ain't, you ain't go to your brother in love. You harbored the offense and it became bitterness and it became unforgiveness. And the next thing you know, you're nasty. How, how do we... How do we deal with the body in an unforgiving, unmerciful, ungracious way when God looks at us and he's forgiving, gracious and merciful? We ought to extend the grace that God has given us. Now, the body is good. It's, it's not always going to be nice. Sometimes the sparks are going to fly. I'm trying to illustrate this a little bit. I did it in the first service. When I think about this idea of iron sharpening iron, I think what we have is this is a, this is a dull axe. It's been used. You know, I don't know, you know, how many trees it chopped down, how much wood it chopped. But this, this dull axe, I think what we think when we read Proverbs 27, verse 17, is we think this. It's just this is cotton. By the way, this is, I bought these a lint-free cotton. It's special. It don't, no lint. It leaves nothing. But I, I, think, I think we think that iron sharpens iron is I'm going to go to the women's thing on Saturday. But when I get there, I hope this is what we get. And you ain't getting sharpened. But guess what? You went. We come to Sunday morning and we like, Pastor, be better not disrespect or offend me. What I want is this. And we walk away and we think we're sharpened and we stand before God unuseful. Who would use this? God wants to see that dull axe. Now, he gets all of us dull. Let me just be clear. None of us came sharp. All of us are dull. But he never expects that you will stay dull. He wants the rust to be taken off. He wants the ax to be sharpened. And so small groups ain't this. Discipleship ain't this. Let me show you what it is. When I go to small group and I go to discipleship and I come to Sunday morning and I, you know, I, I, I come around the body. 
I'm not expecting cotton. This is what I'm doing. I'm preparing myself. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to Caleb's house. Put my things on. I'm ready for small group and I got my Bible. And what, what God wants is God doesn't want this cottony type of relationship. What he wants is iron sharpening iron, which means heat. Somebody say heat. Friction. Somebody say friction. And it means sparks. And so when I go around the body, it ain't always an amen in the peachy king. Sometimes it's a. Y'all see that? That's sometimes what it is. When I get around the body, sometimes y'all nervous right now. Y'all think I'm gonna cut myself? I'm nice with this. Sometimes when you come, see, gotta humble you. Gotta humble you, Lord. I receive it, Lord. Lord, gotta humble you. I'm getting nice with this. The devil's a liar. Lord, I need your strength, Lord. Build your church. Sometimes, sometimes coming to Sunday morning, I, I really do think that some of y'all come in here and go, especially when you bring your friends, because y'all have pulled me aside and be like, Pastor B, preach your best word today. I'm like, I do that every, I try to do that every Sunday. It ain't always a hit. But sometimes when you come into the house, it's not an amen. Sometimes when you come in, this is what it is. And Saturday when y'all ladies get together, this is what it is. And it's small groups, uh-oh. And connecting with your friends and connecting with your girls, sometimes it takes sparks. And what, what, I, think we've, what I think we've become accustomed to is this idea that everything is always going to be nice and fluffy. Do you know that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 2, where he talks about bearing with one another. He says, be completely humble and gentle, being patient, bearing with one another in love. I don't want to lack usefulness to the Lord. I want to be sharpened. So each and every time I get around you, do you know that when I get around you, I feel sharpened? And I pray that when you walk away from me that you feel sharpened. There's a sharpening that happens. It's a mutual sharpening. And that sharpening isn't fluffy, but sometimes it's sparks. Sometimes it's offense. Sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm upset, but I need it. When you get around your girl and your girl be like, yo, you know, I don't know if you really should be with him. You know, he, he, he a little, something not right with him. He don't love Jesus. And they tell you that, but you be like, uh, but I really like him. And you walk away and you're offended. Really what you're getting is a bit of sharpening. You're getting a bit of correction. I, can I even talk about like sometimes with, with rebuke and correction even in church, in the context of church, let me tell you what Pastor Timmy and I have never tried to do. We've never tried to embarrass anybody. But I have had to correct people. And you know what? Sometimes it's received. And, and you grow from it. That sparks. And sometimes it's not welcome. Sometimes it's, I, I got this. How arrogant. Do you know how many times I've gotten corrected, still get corrected? Sometimes I'll post something. My pastor call and be like, what's that? Take that down. And, and, I, and we don't like that type of church, but that's what we need. When we talk about build your church, build your church, it is not always cotton. Sometimes it's iron. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Last week, I talked about the Holy Spirit binds us together, and that is true. But do you know who the head of the body is? The reason you and I are even family is because Jesus is the head of our body. 
Jesus is the head of our family. And so this thing only will work out because Jesus is making sure that it works out. So those of you who have experienced those seasons of dullness, you can get it right today. What do I mean by that? The, the, the process of being sharpening, sharpened can happen today. First service, people were like, I've been spiritually dull. That's just kind of been the season I'm in. You're more susceptible to sin. You miss the voice of God. You lack proximity and closeness to the body. I'm going to pray for you today. If that's you, if you're like, you know what? That's me, Pastor B. I've, I've kind of been spiritually dull. I've hit many seasons like that. Can you do me a favor? Can you just come down to the altar? We ain't got a lot of time. If that's you, if you would say, that's me. I've experienced dullness and I want to be, I want to be sharpened. I want to be connected to the Lord. Thank you for coming. I want to be connected to the Lord. Come on down here. Come on, y'all. Y'all look at these coming down. Y'all spread across here. Come on, let's keep clapping, y'all. Keep clapping. There's some more of you. I'm not naive. All of y'all sitting in them seats ain't spiritually sharp. You, you've experienced those moments. And I think God wants to correct it today. And what he does is he wants to set you on a new trajectory, a new path. He wants you to be sharpened today. And hear me, hear me well. Those of you who are single, you're a better single when you've been sharpened. Husbands, you're a much better husband when you've been sharpened. Ladies, thank you, brother, for coming down. Come on closer. You, 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 you wives, you are sharper. You are better when you are sharper. The people around you can get the benefit of today's sharpening. Your job gets the benefit of the sharpening. Father, I thank you. Every head bow, every eye close. Thank you for these young men and these young women that are professing today that they want to be sharpened by you. We've gone through life long enough not sharpened. We've gone through life long enough dull. So Father, oh God, would you unite us today? And as we connect with the body, and as we get around our girls and get around the brothers, Lord, I pray that we would be open to whatever it is that you're doing. Let us be intentional about building relationships. Let us be intentional about receiving correction and critique. Let us not be proud or boastful. Let us be humble. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that even as you sharpen these and they begin to sharpen somebody else, that they would deal with others in a more gentle fashion, knowing that sharpening, yes, sparks happen, but that don't mean they got to happen because I got an attitude. Lord, help us to be low. And Lord, I, I know that the moments, those moments where we finally do get a little bit of sharpening, it's so much easier to get back on cruise control. So Lord, I pray for those that came to the altar. This moment might be the moment, but a few months from now, we might experience that dullness again. But Father, I pray, oh God, that you would never let us be comfortable in it. Never let us be satisfied in it. But help us to pursue you at all costs. Help us to run after you at all costs. I'm looking forward to the testimonies on this altar. I'm looking forward, forward to the people that you will save because we got spiritually sharp on this altar. I'm looking for the missions that will and, 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 and the purpose that will be coming out of those that are on the altar all because you've sharpened them today. So, Father, I pray that we would commit our lives to a 
frequency of sharpening. Make us uneasy when we've just done the thing once. But help us to pursue you at all costs. Do your work in the lives of these people. These are your people. These are your axes. And they'll chop down trees because of you. Because you've sharpened them through your body. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for these that came down to the altar.